0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Hello and welcome to episode number 184 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Crippotti, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline, as always, and we're back this week to discuss defensive draft boards from around the league and what they mean for next week's draft. We broke down the offensive side of the ball on last week's show, so go back and listen to that episode if you want to hear more about quarterbacks, running backs, pass catchers, and offensive linemen. Tony, we're now officially one week away from round one of the 2021 NFL Draft. Amazing.
0: Amazing that it's here or almost here. I mean, we'll do one more show, Chris and I, before the uh, draft actually kicks off. But uh, all the anticipation, all the planning, it's not done yet. I I mean, most boards are set, and there's a lot of arguing, debating that goes on. This last week is when all the surprising news that people like myself haven't uh, already reported comes out of teams.
1: You're already seeing news on on medicals and, and things like that. So more to come, obviously, in this final week. And more to come on this week's show in a minute after this word from our sponsor. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action.
0: Bet online
1: has you covered for all the
0: news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up.
1: Last week, Tony said to watch for a rise in Justin Fields and Trey Lance's odds of going third overall. And I'm not sure what Lance was last week, but Fields is now almost even money to go number three. To San Francisco, well, Mac Jones is barely the odds-on favorite now. Between this, Tony, and your Najee Harris call a while back, maybe you should start getting into the betting world.
0: That's why I went to betonline.ag and put a few bucks on those. you got to put your money
1: where your mouth is. Absolutely. So for anyone who does want to do that, head on over to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit.
0: online your online sportsbook experts.
1: All right. And Tony, it is time to take a look now at the defensive line boards from around the league and what we see along the defensive line. And please note that we have defensive line, edge rusher and linebacker. So what you're going to see here is interior defensive linemen and potential five techniques in a three, four alignment. So the two first round prospects that we're looking at on this board, Christian Barmore, the explosive three technique from Alabama and Levi on Wuzurike out of Washington. Now in the second round early on, Tommy Togiai of Ohio State is also there. So those seem to be the consensus top three based on the sports. There are no other prospects rated in the top 60 on either of those. Tony, I know we've talked about Barmore on the show. We haven't really talked about on Wuzurike. Kind of fill our listeners in on what you see from both of these guys. And, you know, if you have a strong preference towards one or the other.
0: I think a couple things. Number one, both of these guys are graded as late first round picks. I think only one's going to go late in round one. I'm hearing maybe Jacksonville, maybe Buffalo. If a good edge rusher is not there for them or edge rusher of their liking is not there uh, for them. Maybe Tampa who is in a situation where they can take the best player available. Barmore is a terrific athlete. I mean, he's like you said, a three technique. He's more of a, he's a big guy actually. But he doesn't play big football. He plays more athletic football, fires off the snap, plays with good pad level, solid pass rusher. I think he really has to up, up the physicality and the strength of his game, although he has an upside. And Ruziriki is a little bit smaller, but he's stouter at the point. He's really nasty. He's a punch in your face type of guy. I think he can also play the three technique, he plays with terrific uh, pad level. One guy that, you know, is not on this board as a first or second rounder that I'm hearing has really made a big move up draft boards is Milton Williams of Louisiana Tech. Milton Williams is a guy that if you go back during the summer, during our Conference USA podcast, I talked about as a potential day three selection. I had been reporting constantly on Pro Football Network that back in November when I heard he was going to enter the draft, he was going to test through the roof. He did exactly that. There are some teams that right now have a late first round grade on Milton Williams. I don't think he's going to go late first round, but I think Williams can come off the board uh, early part of round two and eventually be the third defensive tackle selected uh, in a week and a half.
1: Now taking a look, as Tony said, to some of the guys available a bit later on guys rated in the third round, there's four besides Milton Williams, who on this board comes in as a third round pick Davion Nixon out of Iowa, Jay Tufelli out of USC teammate, Marlon Tuapilotu, if I pictured that name, I apologize, also from USC, and then Osa Odegizua from UCLA, who, when we were kind of going through a lot of the interviews and talking to some of the senior bowl offensive linemen, um, whether it was Quinn Miners or whoever it might have been, uh, Osa Odegizua was consistently mentioned as you know one of the guys that was the toughest assignment for them to go up against the practice. And, and obviously he was named practice player of the week. So it's not super surprising to hear that, but at the same time, it's interesting to see him on the third round here on this board, Tony, what do you think of Odigizua and everybody else that looks to be in the top 100 on this board? You know, he, he's
0: a tough guy. He plays tough guy football, even though he's a little bit undersized. I mean, he goes barely six foot one. Uh, and he, he's got limited growth potential. Uh, so, uh, you know, he, he's not a guy that I, I think he's a kind of a what-you-see type of player, 6'1 uh, half 282 pounds, a, a prototypical three-technique. You know, he plays hard football. I was a fan of his brother. His brother never panned out, was a third-round choice of the New York Giants, which I thought was a steal, but his brother had a few issues, which he couldn't get over, which kind of prematurely ended his career in the NFL. Hopefully, it's a different situation for Diggie Zua. I know scouts have him as a third rounder. I have him as a fourth rounder right now. I think one thing I'm in unison with, with, these, with this board is really how Marvin Wilson of Florida State has fallen. They have him here as a potential late fourth, early fifth. I have him as a fifth rounder. Marvin Wilson of Florida State two years ago during sophomore season, when you watched him play, you thought that he was going to be the next big-time defensive line prospect to come out of the Seminoles program never elevated his game. In fact, in many ways seemed to regress. When he's on his game, he's a playmaker. I mean, he's a big guy who looks relatively athletic, you get outside the box. But the problem with Wilson is he plays a lot of uninspired football and all too often he just gets locked up at the point by a single blocker.
1: Yeah. And a guy like Wilson kind of fits that profile of highly regarded at one point, no longer. So meaning he's just a boom or bust guy. You're either going to, you know, find a diamond and, you know, he gets back to prior form or he's going to bust out pretty quickly. There's not much of an opportunity there for Marvin Wilson to make like, you know, an eight or nine year career as like a halfway decent backup type of player. No, he's either going to be a really good pick or a really bad pick. And obviously teams are going to have to kind of weigh that once they get into the early parts or even the middle parts of day three on whether they want to do that. Another player that kind of fits that bill is Naquan Jones from Michigan State, a guy who got a lot of hype early in his Spartans career and then has fallen off. He's graded on this board as an early sixth round pick. He's in that sixth to seventh round range. Another guy in that range that is interesting to me is Colorado's Mustafa Johnson, guy we've discussed on the show, somebody who you know has the opportunity, has the motor to potentially outplay a draft selection like this. And then, Tony, I know you like Jordan Scott out of Oregon, who's actually rated as an undrafted free agent on this board but I know you like him as a guy who could possibly go late on day three
0: yeah the thing about Scott was he lost I believe 30 pounds uh, uh before the season and it showed because in the past he was a large guy who wore I believe a single digit and he took up a lot of space and he was impossible to move off the, uh, the point of attack he lost weight and I think he lost strength I have him right now as a seventh round prospect free agent right in that uh late area you know it's Ironic. You talk about Mustafa Johnson uh, as well as Naquan Jones. You couldn't get any two more contrasting styles. I mean, Naquan Jones has got good size at six three and a half, three hundred thirteen pounds. Early on, he showed himself to be really a potential impact player up front. But he plays what he wants to. I can't see Naquan Jones getting drafted, especially after his pro day. His numbers were horrible. He ran a five four two in the forty, which okay, defensive linemen don't run. Forty yards, but still five four two makes you wonder what the heck he was doing all those weeks uh, leading up to pro day, where Mustafa Johnson, six foot, two hundred eighty pounds, runs in the four nines, plays bigger than his listed size, goes all out on every snap, three technique tackle uh, who can maybe line up as defensive end in a three man front that uses one gap principles, but really, I mean, couldn't be any different from Naquan Jones, who seems to play hard every once in a while when we stop Mustafa Johnson plays hard from the time the ball snapped until the whistle blows.
1: We'll get to edge rushers next, after this word from our partners over at Monster Bass. The weather is getting warmer, and Tony and I, along with NFL junkies everywhere, are about to have some extra time on their hands. So why not give fishing a whirl?
0: Absolutely, I mean, considering that here in New York, you can, you know, the stadiums are about 20% full, There's no Broadway plays, plenty of time on our hands to get back
1: into fishing. Well, that's why we're so excited about our newest sponsor, Monster Bass.
0: Monster Bass is the fun and affordable way to get the best new baits from the fishing industry's top brands delivered to your door each month.
1: Monster Bass is a premium subscription fishing company that handpicks the best baits based on where you live and fish. No more guessing on which baits are going to work. Just leave it to the pros at Monster Bass. Basically, it's like having your own personal fishing guide, and it's
0: changing the way bass fishermen shop for baits. They're quickly becoming the number one fishing brand of anglers everywhere.
1: They've got the best baits from the best brands, and you're covered by the industry's best customer service.
0: So if you want to catch bigger bass this season, head over to monsterbass.com and use the code DRAFT10 to get $10 off your first box. Sign up for Monster Bass now.
1: All right, so we'll take a look now, Tony, at the edge rusher position. And right now on this particular board, three guys make the first round cut, all of them in the middle of the first round, and that's Pay from Michigan, Aziz Ojolari from Georgia, a guy that we've been talking about pretty much since the summer and just more so even throughout the season, and a Miami pass rusher, but not the one you might have expected before the season, Jalen Phillips from the Hurricanes, rated as a first rounder, his teammate Gregory Rousseau, who opted out of the season is rated in that early second round range, Tony. Do you find that interesting? No,
0: I, I think that's uh, what I expected. I mean, there were a lot of people who had Gregory Rousseau as a potential top 12 pick and I, uh, coming into the season. And I said, no way. I mean, yeah, he had a great 2019 campaign, but it concerned me that he was opting out and preparing for the draft. And then he really didn't have a great road. In fact, he was Jalen Phillips, just, just boom away. Uh, during pro day workouts. I agree with Pay and Aziz Ojolari. Obviously, if you've listened to this podcast in the past, you know how much I love Ojolari. Jalen Phillips had a great season, had a tremendous pro day workout, but he was invited to go to combine medicals. And, you know, Jalen Phillips is a guy who retired from football when he was at UCLA because of injuries, primarily concussions. He was not able to go to combine workouts because he was at the end of a COVID quarantine or he was in the midst of a COVID quarantine. One of those two. So I think Jalen Phillips could take a tumble on draft night because of the fact that he was unable to be medically examined. Obviously with no uh, official visits to teams, no one's going to be able to check his medicals the way they're really going to want to, which could lead to a a drop down board.
1: Yeah. As you mentioned, Jalen Phillips had a great season. Gregory Rousseau had no season. And part of the reason Jalen Phillips had such a great season is because there was no Gregory Rousseau. So teammate doing another teammate a favor there. Another guy who seemingly has taken a bit of a fall down boards, Carlos Basham from Wake Forest, rated here as a late second-round pick, a guy that before the season started was mentioned by many as possibly the top senior prospect in the nation. Obviously, no slouch being rated as a late second-rounder, but just interesting to see him not even in the early part of the frame. A couple other guys rated in round two, Penn State's Jason Owe, Texas's Joseph Osai, and Joe Tryon from Washington, a guy that really saw his stock boosted on his pro day, another opt-out of 2020 as well. Tony, what do you make of this group?
0: I would agree with, uh, with the positioning of Oway and Asai here, as well as Tryon. I completely disagree with Basham. I mean, obviously, it could be a situation where Basham doesn't fit their system. But I think, really, out of the top 38 picks, any team that uh, selects Basham is getting a steal. Uh, the guy is smart. He's tough. He's a terrific football player. Got a second-round grade a year ago when he went to the advisory committee to get some information or advice on whether or not he should enter the 2020 draft he's a guy who holds the point against the run. He's a terrific pass rusher when they let him loose. Uh, I, I just think, you know, there are a lot of undervalued players in this draft, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because there's so much offensive talent and I think Basham is one of the tops as far as being undervalued.
1: And taking a look at the third round, another guy we've talked about a lot on the podcast, UAB's Jordan Smith, another guy who was at the Senior Bowl as well. You also can see Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma, Teron Jackson from Coastal Carolina, Ade Ogundeji from Notre Dame, and Quincy Roach, the third Miami Hurricane that has the potential to go in the top 100, really a loaded group of pass rushers at Miami this year, even though obviously Rousseau did not play.
0: You know, Roach, I think, really helped himself with his pro day. Ran in the high four sixes when everyone thought he was going to run in the four eights. We all knew he was a terrific football player. We wondered what kind of athlete he was. And he showed that he's got the athleticism to match, you know, his football skill, which I think really helped him. Jordan Smith, I think, was kind of hurt by the fact that he only lined up a defensive end at the senior bowl. Did not have a real good pro day. Listen, I'm going to be either really right or really wrong on this. I've had Ronnie Perkins as a first-round pick for the longest time. Obviously, he's not going to go in the first round. I think he's just a sensational pass rusher. Like Carlos Basham, I think he's one of the more undervalued defenders in this year's draft. I think someone's going to get an absolute steal with him. I am surprised, and I've seen a couple times, how people have Teron Jackson so highly rated. Uh, I'll be shocked if he goes in the third round. I think he's a day-three selection. Had a real good season. Um, But, again, the size, the speed – I just don't know where he fits uh, as an edge rusher, as a defensive end, even as a defensive tackle.
1: Now, Speaking of day three selections, a couple notables on this board, at least to me, both Pittsburgh defensive ends, Rashad Weaver and Patrick Jones, Rashad Weaver rated way higher than Patrick Jones as an early fourth rounder compared to kind of like a seventh rounder here, it looks like. So a big difference between those two Weaver, the more productive guy, Uh, Patrick Jones, you know, the more athletic, type of guy, but not too big, has some issues with size and strength. Shaka Tony from Penn state, a guy we were kind of always disappointed by this season rated just barely in draftable range on this board. You know, he's a guy who's gotten a lot of hype to go way sooner than that. So I found that interesting. And then a couple guys in the fourth round, Hamaka Rashad jr. From Oregon state and Dio Odiingbo from Vanderbilt, two guys that again, we've discussed on the show a lot. Odyingbo a lot of potential. Rashad too, but just a disastrous 2020 campaign.
0: One guy that they have uh, here as a fourth rounder who I think is going to end up in day two is Ellerson Smith of Northern Iowa, definitely moving up draft boards. Obviously, Northern Iowa didn't play last year. Or they they uh, postponed their season to the spring. Ellerson Smith went to the senior bowl, 20 pounds heavier, and looked like a beast. He was unstoppable. Uh, on this board, they have Malcolm Koontz of Buffalo as an undrafted free agent, which is, I guess, it's somewhat surprising. I have Malcolm Koontz as a middle-round pick, there are some people who think Malcolm Koontz of Buffalo could go day two. He's a real good stand-up pass rusher, a natural 3-4 outside linebacker, not the fastest guy in the world. Didn't work out of his pro day, I believe, because of a hamstring issue. I mean, Kuntz is one of these guys that's all over the draft boards. I think he's going to be a solid day three pick as a situational pass rusher. There are some people who
1: think he's going to be a day two selection. Now, Speaking of linebackers, we'll move to the off-ball variety at the position. And it's really a position that's been kind of devalued in today's NFL. But here, you have four players with first-round grades. That's more than any of the other positions that we're looking at on the defensive side of the ball. You have Micah Parsons from Penn State and Jeremiah Uwosukoromoa from Notre Dame in the middle of the round. And then you have our best friend, Zaven Collins from Tulsa and Kentucky's Jameen Davis creeping in to the late first-round range. Tony, any surprises from what you see in the first round on this board?
0: Not really, except for the fact that they got Zayvon Collins uh, in the bottom third of round one. I think when all said and done, he's a mid-first-round choice. I know that Arizona likes him. I'm hearing that Miami may like him, and, and I think that's where he's going to go. There's a good mixture here. I mean, you got Micah Parsons, who obviously teams are going to have to feel comfortable with the off-the-field issues. I'm concerned about the, uh, the uh, instincts, which run hot and cold. But he is, you know, what would be your traditional 4-3 outside linebacker. You got Zayvon Collins, who is a terror as a 3-4 outside linebacker. You got a Wusu Kormor of Notre Dame, who's, you, you know, your Christian Kirstie-like type of linebacker where you could use him in, when 4-3 sets on the weak side. You can use him on the inside of a 3-4. And you got your Jamin Davis, who everyone tells me is a definite first-round pick right now or will be taking the first round who's more of your inside middle linebacker, who if you ever learn to play to his speed, is going to be a dynamite player at the next
1: level. Looking in the second round, we actually have more guys rated in the first round than the second round, where we'll find Missouri's Nick Bolton, another kind of fast, speedy type of guy. Jabril Cox from LSU, the transfer from North Dakota State, uh, who had kind of an up and down season, but definitely showed moments, especially in coverage. And Baron Browning from Ohio State, a lot more of Ohio State to be seen later at this position as well. But Browning is the top Buckeye on this particular board,
0: yeah, he's got some medical issues from what I hear, or past medical issues. I don't know if they're going to hurt him there in the draft. I love your Bill Cox. Uh, Cox is actually working out this coming Monday, uh, April 26, because he was not unable to work out during the LSU pro day because of a uh, of a bad hamstring. Cox is the type of guy that 20, 25 years ago he's probably given consideration in the first round, if not the top forty-two, because he is a three-down. Linebacker as a four-three type uh, guy who can play in space, outstanding in coverage, covers a lot of area. But as you mentioned, they're not that highly valued these days, unfortunately in the NFL. You talk about, about Baron Browning, his teammate Pete Warner is graded as a third-round pick on this board. I think Pete Warner is going to be in a second-round selection. We talk about undervalued defenders. Pete Warner would be also at the top of my list. You know, he's not a flashy guy. He's not a guy that makes a lot of highlight high reel uh, uh, plays. He's somebody who is constantly around the ball. He's good in coverage. He stacks well against the run. I think he's somebody that even you know wherever he goes in day two, he's going to be a good player at the next level.
1: Now you mentioned Pete Werner rated as a third rounder on this board. Chad Surratt from North Carolina, the former quarterback, also rated as a third rounder. After that, kind of looks like a teardrop. You have Cameron McGrone from Michigan, and you have Dylan Moses from Alabama, a guy who. Before the season started, people were talking about as a first round pick, obviously missed all of the 2019 season, came back, didn't quite have the 2020 that I'm sure he was expecting to have, rated here as a late third round pick. Again, that could probably go one of two directions, could be a really good pick, could end up being a poor pick. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Dylan Moses. And then looking on to day three a little bit, Charles Snowden out of Virginia, a guy we've discussed rated as a fourth round pick, Derek Barnes from Purdue. Uh, a guy that was mentioned during our interviews as well as the senior bowl standout rated as a late fifth round pick. And then early in the sixth round, he had a couple of interesting names, Justin Hilliard from Ohio state, Monty rice from Georgia, and then a little bit later, Tuff Borland from Ohio state. Obviously Monty rice kind of like Dylan Moses didn't quite have the 2020 that he probably expected, but another guy that was rated very highly coming into the season.
0: Rated as one of the highest rated linebackers from the senior class. And you know, had injury issues, never played up to his potential. You know, get back getting back to Dylan Moses. I, I think part of the issue with Dylan Moses was he comes off the injury and he was asked to play assignment football. Really wasn't asked to make a lot of plays on the ball, rather dropping the coverage, gap assignments, and he did a real good job at it. I mean, he didn't have any mental mistakes. He just didn't make those wild plays that he was making in 2018 when people coming into the 2019 season before his injury projected him as a top 20 pick. You know, again, I would agree with you. This is a pick that could go either way, but I think there's a lot of upside in the right sort of system. Derek Barnes is a guy I've talked about, my, you know, everyone knows about my uh, my affection for him. I think he's just going to be a terrific uh, linebacker at the next level. I am glad to see that Antoine Simmons of uh, Michigan State is graded as a early six round pick here. I don't think he's going to get drafted. He's small, he ran in the 4 H during pro day. But he's just a guy who the past three years is constantly go, 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 making good plays on the ball, a guy who goes sideline to sideline, a guy who plays faster than his 40 time. And just, you know, one of those guys that is not fast for the stopwatch, but he's football fast.
1: Now we'll hit the secondary in just a moment after this brief message. The weather is getting warmer. And even if we're still dealing with some April showers, there's still plenty of time to spend out in the sun. Just make sure you have the right pair of sunglasses. It's time to make your outdoor experience better with Canon. Canon sunglasses are
0: made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity.
1: They're also made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, and stronger. And Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Take it from this pair of Italians.
0: Use the exclusive code canaancast 15 at Canaan.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's KANANCAST15. Canaan, clearly
1: better. No, we'll wrap up the show with a look at the secondary, starting with the cornerback position where we have three players on this board listed as first-round picks. Patrick Sertan from Alabama, who is widely believed to be not – just the first cornerback selected, but potentially the first defensive player selected right behind him in the middle of round one is JC Horn from South Carolina. And then at the end of round one, Northwestern cornerback, Greg Newsom. Tony, any disagreement from you on this section? No, I have Caleb
0: Farley, who is graded as a early second round pick on this board ahead of Greg Newsom uh, because I think he's got more upside, but I could see why with the injury and with the opt out, A team or teams would have Newsom graded higher uh, than Farley. I will tell you this. The interesting thing is Sertain and JC Horn are literally back to back. There's no spread at all, which is the way I have it on my board, because I I like Sertain, but I really like JC Horn, and I basically have to chain myself down not to grade JC Horn above Patrick Sertain.
1: Now, looking here at the second round, we have a pair of Georgia corners and maybe not the pair – that people would have expected heading into the season. Tyson Campbell and Eric Stokes graded as second rounders. UCF's Aaron Robinson is also there, along with Kentucky's Kelvin Joseph. Then you look to the third round, and you have another player who had a father play cornerback in the NFL, Asante Samuel, from Florida State. Robert Rochelle from Central Arkansas has been a riser throughout the process. And Afitu Melafonwu from Syracuse. Of course, his brother played in the NFL, Obi Melafonwu, for a couple of years. was drafted very high by the Oakland Raiders. Tony, what can you say about kind of the top 75 region here?
0: Well, I think the interesting he- thing here is got Elijah Molden graded late third round as a corner. I still have Elijah Molden on my safety board. Uh, obviously, Elijah Molden is a terrific football player, but speed is an issue. Was barely able to break 4-6 during pro day. Not very fast in, a, in the deep field on film. Uh, but he's a guy who's a good football player. Gets it between the ears, and he definitely has a place to the next level. Though, I, like I said, he's still on my safety board. Paulson Debo late third rounder. Debo opted out in 2020, was up and down in 2019, played great in 2018. He's got terrific size. He is a real good athlete. It'll be interesting to see where Aaron Robinson goes. I mean, he's a solid corner. He's a real good athlete, struggles making plays with his back to the ball. I know at one point in time, people were, uh, were mocking him in the first round, which I thought was a bit ridiculous. I, I think uh, Robinson – Mid to late round two is probably where he deserves to go. I would even think maybe even round three. He's got an upside, but he also has a a bit of a bust factor to him.
1: Now looking at day three and the undrafted free agent realm, the names that stand out, we didn't mention Sean Wade, a guy who many had in the first round, is a top 100 guy. He's rated here as a late fifth rounder, and frankly, based on the way he played in 2020, that's probably about where he deserves to go. Cam Bynum from Cal, a guy that we like. He proved at his pro day that speed wasn't a huge issue for him. He is still rated here as an early six-round pick. Ambry Thomas from Michigan is rated also as a six-round pick, a guy who opted out of the season. And then you look to the undrafted free agent Trevor Darius Williams from Oklahoma State. You have Thomas Graham from Oregon. And then even further down, you have Georgia corner Davis Daniel, a guy who Tony reported at the beginning of the year. Some people had him as a top 45 pick. Uh, I know, Tony, you never agreed. With that ranking, he didn't have a very inspired 2020 campaign. And obviously, at least on this board, he's paying for it.
0: Reminded me all along of his play on the field of DeAndre Baker in the sense that rarely got his head back around, did a lot of face guarding, was the kind of guy that he basically physically beat down opponents to defend passes, would see the ball in the receiver's hands and knock the pass away. Size speed guy, had flashes at the senior bowl but I could understand why he would be uh, graded so low. I can't understand why Cameron Bynum is graded so low. I have him as a third-round pick. I'm going to keep him there. A productive player for three years at Cal. Really showed the ability to guard against the deep ball at the senior bowl. Then ran better than expected. I don't know what it is about Cameron Bynum. He is just a terrific player. You mentioned Sean Wade. One player ahead of Sean Wade is Shakur Brown, another big Ten cornerback, Shakur Brown of Michigan State, who was a— Horrific cornerback. I mean, if you watched him this year, really was everything that Sean Wade wasn't what was supposed to be. Great ball skills, a guy who gets his head back around, tracks the pass in the air, positions himself against opponents uh, to make plays on the ball. Size is a little bit of an issue because he's under 5'10". Ran in the four sixes during pro day, though he plays faster. I think Shakur Brown is a guy who's going to be selected early in day three and
1: be a real good nickelback at the next level heading to the safety position where three players stand out amongst the entire position. At the end of the first round, you have TCU's Trevon Merig and UCF's Richie Grant, a favorite of us on the show here. And early in the second round, you have Javon Holland from Oregon. Then you have a big gap. There's nobody rated uh, until the third round looks like even the middle portion of the third round. So, you know, based on this board, you could see 40 picks, 45 picks without a safety. Tony, how do you feel about that top three though?
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I absolutely would agree with it. You know, anyone who's listened to the show over the past two years knows about our affection for Richie Grant. He's great as a late first-round pick. I don't think he's going to go late first-round because I just don't think there are enough teams that need uh, safeties after Trayvon Morris is taken to take Richie Grant. Javon Holland, I mean, I think it was a mistake for him to opt out. If he had played and improved upon his terrific campaign in 2019, I think he could have been the first safety taken and he's a safety who can play corner because he's got outstanding ball skills, uh, had a decent pro day, but again, I think it was a big mistake for him to opt out. Interesting that Andre Sisco of Syracuse is in the third round here coming off that, uh, knee injury that shelled him early in the season. The Von Diablo of Virginia tech is a guy that's getting a bit of momentum in the scouting community. I haven't graded later. They haven't graded here as a third round selection. He's big. He's basically a linebacker size safety. You know, when you go in the NFL today; they've got safety size linebacker. Diablo's a linebacker size safety uh, who doesn't show great range. At times, he looks like a world beater. Other times, he looks like an egg beater. You know, I I, I hope he's able to play to his uh, to his utmost potential on every down because I want to like him. Obviously, there are some teams in the league and, and, and people in the scouting uh, in the scouting community that really like him.
1: Taking a look at some of the third-day options here. Damar Hamlin from Pitt, rated as a late fourth-rounder. Paris Ford, his teammate, is all the way down past the priority free agents after his, really just a disastrous pro day. Uh, so a big difference for those two where there may not have been earlier in the season. Tariq Thompson from San Diego State, rated as, you know, a late seventh-round pick or so. Jamie and Sherwood from Auburn in that same range as well. And then you look beyond that into the priority free agent range, and you have George's Mark Webb who played corner in a lot of slot for the Bulldogs, listed as a safety. And you have Georgia's Richard LeCount, rated as an undrafted guy, a guy we discussed as a potential day two pick earlier in the season. Tony, what do you make of LeCount's placement and anything else you see here on day three? Well, LeCount ran a 4.7
0: at his pro day. And, you know, you can't run a 4.7 and expect to be drafted, just like Paris Ford ran anywhere from the four eight to the 4.9s, although he plays a lot faster, and, and basically that's why he dropped. Uh, I think the guy to watch here as uh, someone who could move up is Tyree Gillespie, who actually ran in the four threes. He had a good week of practice at the senior bowl. Glad to see Damar Hamlin, uh, of Pittsburgh graded so early. I think he's going to go a little bit later than, than what they have here in, in the fourth round. Ran a little bit better uh, at pro than I think people expected. We all know he's a terrific football player, outstanding instincts, really gets it between the ears. Christian Upoff, the small school safety from, Illinois State graded as a fifth rounder. If he is drafted that early, it's as much for his ability or potential on special teams, primarily coverage units, as teams are looking at him as a safety.
1: And that's it for the 184th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by Bet Online and the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us any questions and give any feedback you may have as well. We'll be back next week on the eve of the draft with one final show before the culmination of the last, you know, 11 months or so of work. But until then, on behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe.